Imagine for a moment you're trying to pull together a family reunion for some special reason. It's not easy, is it? In fact, if you think about it a little bit, my guess is probably your family is scattered, just like mine is. Scattered all over the country, if not all over the world. Imagine for a moment, though, that your family had been scattered for, let's just say, 2,000 years. Trying to pull people together to come together to form a, a neighborhood, to be together again as, as family, it, it wouldn't be easy, would it? Well, that's exactly what happened to the Jews who were scattered all over the world. But in 1948, they had a family reunion. And a whole lot of families showed up. And more and more members of the family have been coming back ever since. Ever since May 14, 1948. It is a miracle, and many consider it to be the super sign pointing to the return of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, another miracle that has to do with the nations took place since then. Imagine for a moment a typical neighborhood where people cherish their privacy, they have their own unique culture. Your task is to unite these diverse groups under one umbrella. How would you like to attempt that? And let me complicate it a bit more. Each neighborhood has its own language. It has its own currency. And there have been security fences between the neighborhoods for many, many decades, even hundreds of years. And there has also been a history of bad blood between many of the families in these various neighborhoods. To begin with, you must get the people in these neighborhoods to agree to be part of this larger group. Try doing that. When these people and their families uh, kind of sign on, they agree, and here's what they're going to do. They're going to remove their fences. They're going to have a, well, it's called a single homeowners association. They're going to accept the governing body that will oversee all the neighborhoods together. In addition, each neighborhood also agrees to have their residents turn in their own unique money for a, a new currency, which will be used in all of the neighborhoods. That sounds impossible, doesn't it? But that is precisely what happened, well, the better part of 30 years ago. It's called the European Union. Before the formation of the EU, each country in Europe had its own unique history, its own unique culture, its own language, its own government, its own currency. Sometimes these went back literally hundreds of years. But they have come together. Now there's been turmoil. Of course, the UK has stepped out of the EU. But can you imagine going back to then? Can you imagine giving up dollars and cents for newly invented money shared with other currencies, the euro, sharing that across the board? Giving up your country's independence, letting other nations have a vote on issues that affect your life and your pocketbook? Can you think of what it would be like to vote for a local representative who would then meet in some other country where their influence could be drowned, by, drowned out by votes from other countries? Can you imagine risking your life to fight in an army designed mostly to protect other nations, not your own? All this is played out in Europe today. It's not been without its difficulties, which you would expect. So after hundreds of years, the world's greatest empire appears to be returning. It's called the Roman Empire. In its original heyday, this empire was so vast and so powerful that the Mediterranean Sea was jokingly called a Roman lake. The Roman peace, enforced by a powerful army, kept clans and communities across Europe, Asia, Africa, kept them secure by a single central government. 
now, modern day, the European Union may be on that path to making all of this happen. The revival of the Roman Empire is amazing in itself, but it's also astonishing when it comes to biblical prophecy. The Bible predicts that the Roman Empire will be instrumental in bringing a Middle East peace. Today, the EU already offers a smaller but modern-day version of the Roman Empire. And the EU has been a major force working for peace in the Middle East since its inception. And so we look at what does the Bible say? Well, throughout the history of the Bible, God oftentimes spoke to men and women through dreams. For example, when King Herod planned to kill the Lord Jesus as he was a young child, God warned Joseph in a dream to escape to Egypt with Jesus and Mary. God also sent visions, right? Waking dreams to guide his followers. Most of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, records a vision of the end times that the Savior gave to John the Apostle. And it was centuries before Jesus Christ was born that God communicated in a dream to the great Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar. It described the world empires that would rise and fall until Jesus Christ comes and rules on the earth. The Lord showed Nebuchadnezzar a huge statue with a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs were of bronze, legs were made of iron, and the feet of iron mixed with clay. Then a rock struck the statue's feet, smashing them, and then the entire statue fell apart. The wind blew away its fragments without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain, it says, and it filled the entire earth. Nebuchadnezzar was an idol worshiper. He was not qualified to understand this symbolic message from God. But God revealed the dream's meaning to the prophet Daniel, who in turn told the king. The different sections of the statue represented four great empires. That's what Daniel said. God gave him the interpretation. Four huge territories, each ruled by a single person. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, which each of these successive empires would be like. The first was the Babylonian Empire of King Nebuchadnezzar himself. He ruled for 43 years, beginning about 600 years before Christ was born. You are the head of gold, Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar. Now here's something that's rather fascinating. That head of gold, the Babylonian Empire, still has influence on us today. And you ask, how can that be? Well, they were very scientific and mathematical. They based their measurements on the number 60. It is because of them that we have 60 minutes in each hour, 60 seconds in each minute. Now, three more empires were to follow Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian Empire. Each of them swallowed up and expanded the territory of the empire before it. Now, the second empire was the Persian Empire of Cyrus, centered in modern-day Iran. Cyrus conquered Babylon in 539 B.C. Like the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire has had a lasting impact. Its official language, Aramaic, spread from Egypt to India and later became Jesus' native tongue. Part of the Old Testament is written in Aramaic, and a number of Aramaic words are found in the New Testament. Then came the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great, who defeated the Persians and took over their empire in 331 B.C. This empire spread Greek art, culture, language throughout the Mediterranean world, so that when the New Testament came to be written, it was written in the common Greek of that day. And finally, we have the Roman Empire under Caesar Augustus. The influence of the Roman Empire is still obvious today. 
Our English alphabet is borrowed from the Romans, and about half the words in English come from Latin, the Romans' language. The Roman Empire has never been followed by another world empire, just as Nebuchadnezzar's dream predicted. But what about the rock that destroyed these four empires? It represented an empire that will never be destroyed. It will last forever. The rock was looking to Jesus Christ, whose kingdom one day will never end. The important point to notice about Nebuchadnezzar's dream is that the Lord told Daniel these four empires would cover all of history from his own time until the end of the age. Yet the last of these four empires declined and faded away long ago. So if the Bible is true, that empire must reappear before the end of history. And that's exactly what we see with the formation of the European Union. The message God sent to Nebuchadnezzar was so important that he gave the same message directly to Daniel in a vision, a revelation from God that enabled him to see future events in symbolic form. In his vision, Daniel saw four incredible animals coming from the sea. The first animal was a lion-like creature with wings like an eagle's. Second came a lopsided bear-like animal raised up on one side and carrying three ribs in its mouth. The third animal looked like a leopard but had four wings on its back. The fourth animal was different from all the others. It had ten horns and iron teeth. It crushed its victim with its teeth, then devoured them and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And while Daniel watched, a small horn came out from among the fourth animal's ten horns, uprooting three of them. This little horn had eyes like a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Then as Daniel looked on, the Lord came in judgment, and this final beast was destroyed. Now fortunate for us, the Lord revealed the meaning of this vision to Daniel, and that explanation is recorded for us in the book of Daniel. It turns out that the four animals, like the four parts of the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, represented those four empires. Those four empires, Babylonian Empire, Persian Empire, Greek Empire, Roman Empire, but Daniel was especially interested in the fourth beast, the one showing the Roman Empire. The Lord told him this empire would be unlike any other empire and would devour the whole world, trampling it and crushing it. The ten horns that Daniel saw represented ten kings from this empire. The little horn was a coming ruler who would overcome three of those kings. Then the Lord went on to tell Daniel six very important facts about the coming world ruler of this empire. Number one, he'll speak against God. Number two, he will oppress God's holy people, the Jews. He will try to change the times. Number three, number three, he will try to change the times that God has set through the centuries, and Satan has tried to do that repeatedly. Number four, he will try to change the laws that God has established. Again, like Satan, he will try to become God himself and take leadership over the world. Number five, God's holy people, the Jews, will be handed over to him for three and a half years. Number six, when the Lord comes to earth, this wicked world ruler will be judged and his power will be wiped out. Then the Lord's kingdom will rule the earth and it will last forever. Incredible. So the Bible clearly predicts the career of the coming world ruler. His initial base of operation will be a revived form of the Roman Empire. It will be even more impressive than the original empire, as great as that was. 
At the climax of history, the Roman Empire will reveal itself as an aggressive predatory power. Its leader will be a vicious and lawless man, and it will spread its dominion over the earth. Now, ever since the Roman Empire fell apart at the beginning of the Middle Ages, people have tried to bring it back. The goal is not surprising. After all, the Roman Empire gave Europe, Asia, Africa prosperity as never seen before. But all the efforts to rebuild the ancient Roman Empire are doomed. They are doomed until he arrives. This coming Roman emperor who will pose as a man of peace. He'll be a great orator. He'll be able to persuade sworn enemies to sit down together and negotiate. Then he will secure their signatures on a history-making peace agreement in the Middle East. This brilliant, charismatic, seemingly peaceful man, he's coming. And with the sense of despair that exists in this world, especially in view of the global pandemic, the stage is set. The world is ready. It's just a matter of whether or not God will allow this one, the Antichrist, to appear.